But today we're going to continue in this series the pastor began called Grateful Hearts. And Thanksgiving's almost here. Can you believe that? And there's so many things that you and I could complain about, right, from the year or always. But now it's time to turn our hearts to thanks. And we're excited for the Thanksgiving season to remember all that God has done. But Grateful Hearts, this sermon is part two of a message titled Coming Into His Presence. One of the greatest stories in the Old Testament is the one of Elijah and the Mount Carmel experience. This is where the prophet came before the children of Israel at a very decisive time in the nation. These people were really wavering as to whether they were going to worship the false god Baal or they were going to worship God Jehovah, the true living God. Now, what a decision they had to get to, and one makes you, it makes you wonder in your mind, how in the world did Israel come to the place where they had to choose between the false god Baal and the one true living God, Jehovah? But there's where they were. So let's take a look at this story in the context of worshiping with a grateful heart. And if you have a Bible, you could turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, and we're going to start in verse 20. Now, you might have a paper Bible. Those are great. You might have an electronic Bible. Okay, I like that because I can have any, any translation with me anywhere I go, and I can take notes, and it's there saved. I like that. Uh, or you can watch up on the screen. We're going to have the scriptures up on the screen as well. But let's look at this story, verse 20 to 26, then 36 to 40. says this, So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Verse 22, Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Have you ever felt alone? Elijah the prophet was outnumbered 1 to 450. He felt he was the only one standing up for the truth. Sometimes you might feel that way. Verse 23, let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood, and I will not put a fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all of the people answered and said, that's a good idea. I like this because the prophet sets it up where he's at the disadvantage. It makes it harder for him than it is for them. And they're like, mm, okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> Let's go with this contest. Verse 25, so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first for you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. And then they took the ox, which was given them, and they prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they leapt about the altar, which they made. Verse 36, then it came about the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah, 
the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all of these things at thy word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that thou, O Lord, art God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Let's say it with them. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Wow, what a story in the Bible. What an incredible story. I mean, it's an amazing story of the power of God, God's demonstration that he is real, and then at the end is a very violent ending. It did not end well for those who were the champions of the false god, Baal. Three observations about this story that are important for us today really quick. The first one is this. Worship was the issue for this Mount Carmel experience. Okay, and worship is the subject of what we're talking about, coming into his presence. I want you to get this because it's important for us. The reason that the people came to the mountain was over the issue of who are you going to worship? And I'm going to tell you something. God has set that same question up for you and me today. Who are you going to worship? Are you going to worship the true living God or are you going to worship some other God? That was the first thing. The second thing, Elijah's worship was an invitation of God's power. His worship invited God into this equation. It wasn't just about what Elijah would do. It was about what God would do in response to that worship. He wanted God to demonstrate himself, to show himself to be real to the people so their heart would be turned back to God. The worship of Elijah was so powerful that God came by fire and demonstrated himself visibly to the people. This is about God. How many know that in worship, it's not about us. It's not about how I can stand out and look like I'm an incredible worshiper and that makes God real. It's about the demonstration of God's power in this place. He is real. He is the one that causes me to worship demonstrably. I worship him outwardly because he's real. His power and presence is here. God is a living God. The third thing we see is the people responded with worship when they saw God's power. This is important for us. It was a fact that when they saw that God was the Lord Jehovah, they immediately turned from false gods and they began to worship the Lord. I'm telling you folks, the best thing that we can do when it comes to worshiping God with a grateful heart is to worship the Lord in truth, worship the Lord in spirit, worship the Lord outwardly for people to see a demonstration of God's power and His presence. And that will turn hearts back to God. People need to know that God is real. People need to know He is the one true God. 
Not all these other philosophies, not all these other gods, not all these other things that the world has to offer, but Jehovah God, He is the one true God. This story teaches us four concepts that can help us to worship with a grateful heart. And we're going to put these concepts into four simple words this morning. Okay? So this is the, these are the notes. And by the way, you can always find our sermon notes on the front page of our website at cfalife.org if you're interested. Just scroll down under the message there and you'll see sermon notes for this week and click on that. For you online, you might want to do that right now. The first word is relationship. For grateful worship to be what it needs to be, our relationship with God must be right. It's noteworthy to understand that Elijah did not come to Mount Carmel spiritually cold. He did not come to the mountain unprepared in his walk with God. He had spent years walking with God. This Mount Carmel experience is a culmination of a man that daily learned how to be close and intimate with God and walk with God. How many know that it is a daily walk with God that we need and that it is possible to have a relationship with God? God isn't distant. God isn't some idea. He's not some philosophy. He is real. He is a person, and we have relationship with him. In fact, he uses relationship terms to describe our relationship. He is our Father our heavenly Father, and we are His children or His sons and daughters. This is a relationship. And so we see this incredible prophet. It's not just a story of a man who came to Mount Carmel and all of a sudden he called out to God. And here's a man who had walked intimately with God and tested that intimacy. And when we look at the story of Elijah, here's the thing. We, t- we have a tendency to make Elijah maybe bigger than life. Yes, he was a prophet. He was a great man of God. In fact, he was a powerful man of God. But what we should really take notice of is that for him to come and make bold statements like he did, to come and ask for the fire to fall like he requested of God, that was not just something that happened all of a sudden. We have to take notice of this. Like he just opened up the sanctuary door, and he began to worship at that high level. It didn't happen that way. He, it was a process, a daily walking with God, spending time, great time with God, and had a wonderful relationship over a period of time. I, I want to have a right relationship with God, and I want my relationship with God to be a daily walk with God and an intimate walk with God. Man, it would be incredibly bold of you and me, wouldn't it, if we went into our workplace or we went out into our neighborhood or even in front of our family members, which sometimes could be the scariest place to be an ambassador of all, right? It's right in the middle of your family where everybody knows you, right? And, and sometimes that's the scariest place. But what if we came among them and said, all right, let's just prove who's right now. Who's the real God? Let's just set a little fire up. If God responds and burns it up, we know who's right. That was bold. But that took a walk. In the Old Testament, Moses does a marvelous job teaching us about intimacy with God. If you were to study Moses, what an incredible, incredible worshiper of God. As you study the children of Israel, 
especially in Exodus, there are four circles or, or levels concerning intimacy and worship with God. It's basic like this. We see the outer circle. This is where most of the masses of Israel lived. They lived in the outer circle in their relationship with God. They knew a lot about Yahweh, but they remained distant and aloof. And when it came to experience, experiencing the spirit of the covenant, they, they didn't know much. And no wonder they were at this place where they were having to decide between Jehovah and Baal. No wonder they got there. The second circle of people was the level that was experienced by Moses, by Aaron, by Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders. You can look that up in the scriptures and read about them. These people became so intimate with God, enough to see God. Now, you've got to study that a little bit more because you also know the Bible says no man shall see God and live, right? So how do these people see God? When you look at it, you, you kind of study a little and realize that maybe they didn't see his face, but they might have saw his feet, all right? They saw his feet, but they were close enough to get there in the presence of God. That was the second circle. The third circle was even more intimate, and it was experienced by only two people who were prepared for it, and that was Moses and Joshua. These men went up the mountain to meet with God, okay? And as they moved up the mountain, they were at that level. But the fourth circle, the highest level, only Moses reached. He had absolute intimacy with God. Forty days and forty nights in the presence of God. Can you imagine? That was when Moses came off the mountain and his face was glowing from being in the presence of God for so long. There was this visible glow about Moses. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you, you got some radiation, you know, got a little bit too close to the nuclear power, you would glow, right? Well, this is the way it was for Moses in the presence of God. Woo! You know, man, he, he had to be in God's presence. And I remember as a teenager when I was, you know, I was probably about 16 and I was hearing this story for the first time about Moses glowing and coming off the mountain and everything. And I was about 16. I was preaching a message in my home church in Caribou, Maine. My pastor let me preach. And at 16, I, I reiterated this message to the congregation. And I was like, man, if Moses can get close to God and have a relationship with God like this in intimacy, then what is stopping us? from having this kind of relationship with God. Do you believe this morning that you can get close to the Lord, that you can have that kind of intimacy with God? That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who would love him. And we sang that song about God's incredible love this morning. Wasn't that beautiful? That was just amazing. But how much God's grace is there, how much God's love is there. It is for us. And, and man, we can have that relationship with God. You that are watching online, I don't know if you know the Lord or not, but if you do not know the Lord, I'm telling you, feel God's love today. Know that he loves you, and he would love that kind of relationship. You see, like the children of Israel, we too are all at different levels in our relationship with God, even in this room right now. Maybe there are some of you that know about God. That's about it. You know about him, enough to be able to be curious enough to walk into the church today. In the middle of a pandemic, you want to know more. Okay, but you come once in a while, maybe you're watching online for the first time, maybe you're here today, you're just listening, you've heard about him. The second kind of person is, maybe you not only know about him, but you know him. Who knows that? Who understands what I'm saying? You don't know about him, you know him. You've asked him into a relationship. It's a personal knowledge, a personal experience. You've invited him in your life. You become a follower of Jesus. Some have done that. The third type of person is 
The one that not only knows him, but has become a follower of him and looks forward to worshiping him here at CFA or online regularly. As someone that says, I'm committed to church. I'm committed to be there when the doors are open so that I can hear the word of God and I can worship with my brothers and sisters. And I look forward to that experience because God has so much for me there. I want to grow. Okay? That's that level. But then there are some who really want to walk with God daily. It's not just you invited him in. It's not just that you said I'm committed to the church. But it's every day that I live and breathe. Every day I get up, I worship him. Every day I talk to him. Because he is my father and I'm his child. You see, Sunday is kind of like the cherry on top of the dessert for you. You've been feasting at his table all week long. It's not like you're walking in this morning or tuning in online and, uh, and you haven't opened your Bible since last Sunday, you know. But during the week, you've worshipped him. You've listened to worship on your devices. You've spent time in the word. You've spent time intimately walking with him. And I just want to say something to you because this is possible. I mentioned in the first service, but, you know, we were in the vehicle the other day and my daughter was riding with me and that was fun and we get to talk and stuff. But she puts on playlist because she inherited this from her mama. She, Kathy loves playlists. But Jenny gets this playlist playing and there's worship songs are going on this playlist. And uh, at first I go, wow, that's, that's one of those songs we sing at church. And then the next song came on. I said, we sing that one at church too. And then the next one came on. I go, that's a when we sing at church too. I go, is this the church worship playlist? And she goes, yeah. And I go, oh, wow, that's cool. So, you know, it is possible to build a playlist on, a, on an app on your mobile device and play it in your car through Bluetooth or whatever, and you can listen to the songs that we actually sing here in church. And I'm going to tell you something. You get that in your spirit all week, and you're just in the car going places, or you put that in your house, and you start singing these songs. You know what? It'll impact what happens right here when we come together in this place to worship God on Sunday because our hearts are unified. Our minds are in the same vein. You know, we're going to the same places, and we're saying to the Lord, hey, we love you. We've come together to worship you and lift you up. But you see, we're all at different levels. But here's the good news. Unlike in the Old Testament where only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and everybody else sat out and hoped, we are a royal priesthood in Christ Jesus. Come on, someone say amen. The Bible tells us that, not just because I said it, because it's recorded in the scripture. The Bible says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. How many say amen to that, right? Right? But you're people who belong to God. You belong to God. All right. Because Jesus died on the cross, there was something that took place. When he died, the curtain in the temple ripped in two from top to bottom, right? And what did that signify? That now we, the people, have access into the throne room. We now have access into the presence of God to find help in our time of need. We no longer need a mediator between us. Jesus is our mediator. We go to him instead of the priest. How many are glad for that? Man, you can go every day. You don't have to wait for the day of temple worship or whatever it is, just to go to the pastor and say, please, on behalf of me, offer a sacrifice. I hope God will forgive me. Now you can go anytime and say, Lord, I messed up. I'm sorry, God. I'm coming back to you. My heart is for you, Lord. I don't know why I act this way. How many have ever said those words? I have to say them almost every day. <laughs> Lord, why did I act that way? Why did I think that way? Why did I say that? Lord, I, please forgive me. As priests ourselves, we don't need to wait, but we can come every day 
to Jesus and be as close to him as we desire to be. And that's what it's all about. Intimacy with God, a holy relationship with the creator of all things. Now let's look at that second word. So first one was relationship. Second word is repentance. I touched on that for a second there. When grateful worship really happens, people begin to turn their heart back to God. Did you know we can have a relationship with God, but then we can drift? The song mentioned that. I've been faithful, but then there's times when my heart drifted away and I had to come back to him. We can drift away. It's, it's not because we necessarily planned that, but it's day by day as we slip away and we stop that relationship and our heart goes to other things. We begin to love things more than we love God, maybe even our ideas more than we love God. And we begin to slip away. And so we need to come back to him. And that's what grateful worship is all about. It's this repentance. Lord, I want to do a 180. I want to stop going this direction, God. I'm going to turn back to you and come this direction. Lord, I want to come back because I want intimacy with you. When grateful worship happens, that's what takes place. Our heart turns back to God. Mount Carmel is a story of people who were undecided. It's a story of people who are confused. A story of people that were backslidden. A story of people who had placed their priorities in the wrong place. It's a story of people that had become focused on other things besides the Lord God, Jehovah. Maybe you have found yourself in that place even recently or even now. Maybe you're a little confused. Maybe you've got the priorities in the wrong place. Maybe you've slipped. Maybe you've backslidden from God and, and you're just not as hot for God right now. You just don't, your mind isn't there. It's on other things. But the Lord is giving you an opportunity. You see, Elijah knew what was wrong with the people. He knew it. He brought them to Mount Carmel. Why? To get their focus right again. To get their heart back on God. That was the purpose. It was to come and turn their heart back to God. That's what this demonstration was about. His whole prayer was this. God, help them to see your glory and help them to see you so that their heart may turn back again to you. That was his prayer. We read that. If repentance is anything, it is the renewal of a grateful heart of worship. Are you grateful to God? Man, are you so excited in your heart? I know we've messed up so bad, but aren't we so glad he didn't mess up? Man, he passed the test. He made it all the way. He, he paid the price. He rose from the grave so that you and I can live. Whew. Because he's victorious, we're victorious. Amen. In fact, the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's the message. That's exciting. When you and I begin to repent, our heart begins to warm towards God. Until we begin to repent, it remains cool and moving towards frozen. Now, on this part, you need a text pastor after the message because he came up with these three things I'm about to give you, and I thought it was pretty cool. Listen to this. It says this. In, in the average church service, there are three types of people. This is not going to be up on the screen, so you might want to just put this in your mind or take notes. Oh, is it up there? Oh, we got it. Okay, cool. There's the first kind, the chilled. All right? We got chilled people in church. All right? 
What are chilled people? That's the people that come and they're cold. They go through the sterile ritual of worship, right? They're just going through the motions while in the service. All right, just motions. They got here on Sunday. Maybe some of you right now in this service or watching online, maybe, you know, sometime in your past, in your background, in your church tradition, you went to a church and it was just out of duty that you did it. You went there. Maybe your mother dragged you there. Maybe your grandmother dragged you there. Maybe it was something you had to get off the checklist to make sure your conscience felt right, that you had to get to the church service, all right? And you did that. You walked out, though, and you wondered why you were still empty. You were chilled, all right? The second kind of person is those that are thrilled, all right? You could be a thrilled person. This is someone who comes to see a great show, all right? They love the experience. They want to come because the pastor's a marvelous speaker, the music's entertaining, and when it's all over, they walk out of that place saying, that was fantastic. That was incredible. They were thrilled. Now, that sounds pretty good, but it's not quite there yet because then there's the third kind of person, and that's a person that we call the filled. So you could either be the chilled, the thrilled, or the filled, all right? And this is what we're going for here at CFA, filled with the power and the presence of God in order to really make a difference in our world. I want to tell you something. You are no ordinary person. There's not a single ordinary person in this room right now. You are all extraordinary people created by an incredibly amazing God who created you unique. There is no one like you, and God has a special purpose for your life. There's no one that can worship like you, and God wants you to worship him the way he has created you so that you can make a difference in the world around you. But you've got to do it with a grateful heart. You've got to come to a repentance and say, Lord, I turn and I come back to you. Sometimes we get comfortable in the worship experience, but remember, real worship is a grateful heart reaching out to God. It's focusing on God and loving God. It can come, and this can come through kneeling, through standing, through singing, through praying, clapping. It can come through shouting. Listen, there are all kinds of ways to get to the Lord. But if it's true grateful worship, it's going to catch us, not only intellectually, but also emotionally. There's going to be some kind of response in our life. For some, when the Lord gets a hold of you, listen, it might just be a smile, right? That, that might be the move of God on your life today. You know, some people have a hard time with a smile. But you could tell that when God touches, there's a little smile. But for some, it's going to be more than that. See, grateful worship grabs a hold of you and it doesn't let go. When you come into the presence of God, you've got to say something. You've got to sing something. You've got to do something. If it's in your heart, it will come out. You can't be in love with anything without letting your face, your hands, your mouth, your feet, your knees, or anything else know about it. Amen? i tell you what. When you repent, the focus isn't so much on you as it is on Jesus, the one who forgives you. This is so important. A lot of times we come and we bring in our problems. We're bringing our sins. We're, we're like really shame and, and, and we're like, oh, I've been so bad. Lord, forgive me. And maybe our testimony is all about how bad we were, right? And it seems like the focus is on us. But I'm going to tell you something. With repentance, it starts with you confessing, but it quickly turns into what Jesus has done and not about what you did. What Jesus did on the cross is what's the most important part of this repentance. Lord, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being victorious. I repent, Lord, and I lift you up. 
We can't make it about us. There was a great writer, preacher, A.W. Tozier. How many heard of Tozier before? He's got some great writing. Uh, I believe he was an old Christian Missionary Alliance preacher. He makes a marvelous analogy in his writings about Jesus. When he came into Jerusalem on the Palm Sunday, the Sunday before that he would die on the cross, here's what Tozer wrote. He said, it was the first Palm Sunday, and here comes Jesus, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. And the crowds began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. And that donkey's ears perked up. Some of the crowd threw their coats into the road. Others spread out palm branches. Well, <clears throat> said the donkey. Switching a fly off his mangled patch, I had no idea. They really appreciated me like this. Listen to the Hosannas, would you? I must really be something. I don't know if the donkey really did that or not. But listen, if there's anything beautiful about your life, it's God. If there's anything that changes your life, it's God. And when we try to get in the middle and try to get any of the glory, we become just like that donkey. All glory and praise and honor must always be directed to him. Amen. It's about what he's done. Repentance makes us glorify Lord with a grateful heart. The third word this morning is boldness. When we worship with grateful hearts, there is an authority that comes to us, a power, a boldness, an anointing. Elijah had that at Mount Carmel. How many of us would look at people and say, we're going to put some kindling out there and we're going to see who lights the fire. The one who lights the fire is going to be the God we serve. How many would be so bold to do that? That's bold. Elijah was bold enough to do that because he had such confidence in the Lord his God. He knew God would prove himself. Who's ready to experience the fire of God's boldness in your life? How many want to be more bold? Be honest. I got to tell you something that this is a real issue for people sometimes in the church that we are just a bunch of chickens. I mean, we're a bunch of chickens. We're so afraid to share our faith. We're so afraid to stand up for the truth. We're so afraid to do anything. And I don't think anything that's going on today has helped us at all because people are so afraid of getting canceled. They're so afraid of getting befriended. They're, they're so afraid of of everything, to say anything. What we're experiencing right now in our nation is, is not pro-speak what you believe is true. It's keep your mouth shut and don't offend anybody. That's the way it is. But I got to tell you something. We need a holy boldness. We don't need to become a bunch of jerks. We just need to become a bunch of truth-tellers, ambassadors for, the G- for Jesus Christ. Because if we would tell the truth, we would just say God loves you. God loves you, but this is what he says. I know that can't, it's not popular because you believe something different, but here's what the Bible says is true, and here's why God steers you from this, because it'll hurt you. It'll harm you. It won't lead you the right way. But God says, go this way, and you'll be blessed. Go this way, and these things will happen. We need to be bold about the truth. We need that. I'm ready for, to experience the fire of God's boldness. And if you're ready for that, then here's what you need to do. You need to ask God for a Pentecost. You need to ask God to send the Holy Spirit and power onto your life. 
You need to read the book of Acts. I'm going to point you to the scriptures because the Bible is true and the Bible will never lead you astray. Seek out the Bible and what it has to say about the gift of the Holy Spirit and boldness. And when you seek the Lord through the scripture, through the truth, ask God to send the power in your life. Ask him for the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has come, when he came on those disciples waiting in prayer, remember that in the day of Pentecost when they were in the upper room waiting? Waiting for the Spirit to come down. Remember Jesus, first of all, Jesus told them to don't go anywhere. Remember he spent his whole time training these people how to share the gospel. And even went two by two and door to door and all those kinds of things. But then after he ascended, he said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. I want you to wait. I don't want you to go anywhere. Don't start this big mission yet until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He didn't want us to do it alone. He wanted us to go with the Spirit in us, empowering us, and not with our own demonstration, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what God desired. So he said, wait. Well, unfortunately, the church hasn't, isn't waiting very much anymore. We're not waiting. There's lots of church traditions that don't wait at all. They just do. They don't wait. But God has said to us to wait on the Holy Spirit and his power. This will make the difference. When the Spirit came on Pentecost, what happened? It was tongues of what? Fire that came down. Does this sound familiar? Tongues of fire came down and rested on them, and they received what? Power, the Holy Spirit, and power to be witnesses. That's what happened on Pentecost. If you want boldness, if you want to be able to not be such a chicken when it comes to sharing your faith with your family or sharing your faith with your co-workers or your friends or anybody else in this world, then you need the Spirit's power in your life. Pray for that. Seek it. And I just want to say something on this. When I was at Valley Forge Christian College, which is a Bible college in Northeast in, in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, it's one of our Assembly God colleges. It's a, it's a great Pentecostal school. When I was there studying, I had these classes I'd go to, and then I met this girl. Her name was Michelle. Now, Michelle came to Valley Forge, but she wasn't Assembly of God. She wasn't Pentecostal. She was a Baptist girl. And she, she just wanted to go to Bible college to learn more about the Lord, you know, and, and those kind of things. But then she finds herself at this Pentecostal Bible college. And she's going to classes, and she began to really start to feel like a second-rate Christian because she didn't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We'd have chapel services and classes, and she started to get a little bit upset about it because she didn't like the way that some students were treating her or looking at her, the way they said things to her. And so she was friends with me, so she was explaining to me her feelings, and she just said, I don't understand that, why, why I feel this like I guess I'm not saved or something. That's the way she started to feel. And I said, no, 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 don't feel that way. You're saved. You're, you're just as much of a Christian as anybody else. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living inside of you right now. But there is a gift that is subsequent to salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we just begin to look at the Scripture. And I said to Michelle, I said, why don't you to continue to study and just continue to seek the Lord in this, okay, but I'll be praying for you. Well, man, was I surprised. I don't even think it took a week later after that conversation that she came to me so excited. And she said, James, I got to tell you, she says, I was in my dorm room last night and I was by myself and I had opened the scriptures and I was praying and studying. And she said, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I began to pray in tongues. 
And I'm like, wow, I had not heard of that before. What do you mean? I didn't lay hands on her. It didn't happen in chapel under a hyper-emotional experience with everybody coming around in this big old story. It happened in the privacy of her dorm room, one-on-one with God as she waited on the Lord. And I want to tell you that could be the way it happens in your life. If you have not received the gift of the Spirit that way yet, i just got to tell you, just pray and seek the Lord through His Word. And God will come upon you, and there will be a boldness there. The fourth word, final word this morning, is renewal. Did you notice what Elijah did when he built the sacrifice? He had to bring the wood over, and before he ever prayed, he had to bring barrels of water and just pour it over the sacrifice. It was like, wow, that's going to be against the flame. That's going to make it really hard, right? Do you know what he did? You know why he did that? He just stood by and he said this, fellows, bring some more water, would you please? And the people that were watching were just stunned because the prophets of Baal, they didn't put any water on their wood when they prayed. I mean, those 450 prophets of Baal, they were hoping to just get a little spark to get the fire going, you know, but there was no answer. They were desperate. The Bible says they started dancing around and doing all this crazy stuff to try to get any kind of fire going. Maybe they were creating friction. I don't know what they were doing. But then Elijah said, go down and bring some more water. What? That water wasn't enough. He said, go get some more. And they kept bringing barrels of water until it overflowed and it filled the trenches all around. I mean, now you've got not just a little water. Now you've got like a flood of water, right? This is going to be really hard. And then Elijah prayed. And do you know that our God is a wet wood firelighter? Did you know that? That's our God. And somebody after first service told me he wasn't just a wet wood fire lighter. He was like a drenched wood fire lighter, all right? This was like heavy, heavy water, all right? Our God can do anything. You see, he can light anything on fire. This includes renewing your life. Some of you have been looking for renewal in your life. Some of you have been looking for something else to just get the spark going again. We've been in such a crazy, weird thing with COVID going on that it can have the effect of that we're just, you're just standing still. Or you're going backwards, but you're not advancing in your life. You can get that feeling inside. But I'm telling you something. Our God is a wet wood firelighter. He can spark your life. He can get you excited again for the future. He can get you excited again for what he's about to do because he can light you on fire. You say, you don't know the problem I've got. You don't know what I'm loaded down with. That's, that's true. I don't know what's going on in your life. You don't really know what's going on in mine. But I know this, that our God He's a real God. He is Jehovah, and he knows your problems because he's a God of relationship. You have no wood in your life, no wet wood in your life, no drenched wood in your life, no filled up trenches with water in your life that God can't consume with fire. You see, he can fix every need and every problem in your life. There is no question about it. Whatever you Uh, Whoever you are, whatever your situation is, God is ready to ignite your life with the fire of his love, his power, and his deliverance. He is a God of renewal. How many are ready for renewal? I'm ready for renewal. Listen, church, I want you to know this. Romans 8.28 declares this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Man, God has called us. He has a purpose for us. He is working for our good. How many of you love God? Do you love God? Amen. How many of you know that God has a purpose for your life? He's got a purpose. 
Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This sounds like a loving God to me. This sounds like a caring God to me. This sounds like a, a God who, who loves his creation and has these marvelous plans. That's our God this morning to help us worship with grateful hearts. We have to have a right relationship with God. We must turn our heart back to God by repentance. We must desire boldness and fire. We must expect renewal to come from God. I'd like us all to stand right now as we get to ready to go and worship our God. We got to just declare the truth of the Lord through song. I want us to just begin to pray. And all across this room, can we pray? Let's just lift our hands before God, lift our hearts before God, and let's just begin to seek the one true and living God, Jehovah. Let's just begin to pray and just say, Lord, come. Oh, God, we thank you for a relationship. God, we thank you that we have an intimacy with you. Lord, that you're not a cold, faraway God, but you are a very close, real, near, and personal God. A, 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 a person, Lord, that we talk to each day, that we feel Lord, that we walk with daily. Lord, thank you for that. Right now, if you're in this place or you're watching us online and you don't feel like your relationship is right with God, you have an opportunity to make it right with God right now. All you got to do is call on his name, the Bible says. Just call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Or if you've wandered away, you shall turn back. You'll come back to him in right relationship with God. Let's just pray this together. If that's you and you just said, I need a right relationship with God, pray this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I've wandered away and my heart has been far and my priorities have been off. And Lord, I've done things that I'm ashamed of and I am desperately in need of your forgiveness. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for loving me so much that even while I was still a sinner, you died for me. And I thank you that your blood covers my sin. I ask you that you would forgive me and that our relationship would restore, be restored once again. God, I want to walk with you and I want to be filled with your power and your presence. Thank you, Lord, for making me right with you again. In Jesus' name, amen.